You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. We've got a great program for you. We're going to be chatting about uh, surveillance with Brian Jackson from the Infotech Research Group. There's a, a new device that uh, we want to talk about. It's like a pendant that basically records everything you say and hear all day long. And then we'll transcribe that for you uh, at the end of the day and, and make it searchable as well. Sounds cool, but huge privacy implications. And we'll also be talking about uh, the CRTC when it comes to the Online Streaming Act and uh, what that means for uh, content providers and makers uh, here in Canada. Podcasters, the Netflixes of the world, and, and what that all means. I've got a good friend with me uh, for the first segment here today. His name's Carmi Levy. He's uh, our tech friend from uh, Toronto. Thanks for joining me, Carmi. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Wanted to just talk about some of the uh, the news stories uh, that you're following uh, this uh, this week. Uh, one name that kind of popped up, BlackBerry. I remember BlackBerry. Well, they uh, bowed out of the smartphone business uh, years ago, but uh, they've been very active in uh, cybersecurity, the Internet of Things, uh, server technology, and uh, it looks like they're they're separating their their businesses. Uh, what, what does this all mean? Yeah, it's kind of another sad chapter in the evolution of a Canadian icon, certainly an iconic company. Uh, they announced uh, in August that, well, actually, they announced in May that they were considering a, they were going to do what's called a strategic review, review their options for going forward. And that could include possibly selling themselves, could have included possibly splitting some of their businesses up, spinning them out. Uh, anything was on the table. And, and the long and the short of it is, is the company has been shrinking. Uh, it is not making money the way they feel they can. It's not living up to its potential. And when you're a publicly traded company, if plan A isn't working, you are required to pursue plan B. So that's what that was all about. In August, a company called Veritas, uh, a private equity firm, uh, it is, the reports came out that they were interested in buying them. And then we heard nothing. And now we hear that the company is going ahead and is going to split up it, its businesses into an Internet of Things business and a cybersecurity business. Uh, and they feel that that will allow it to unlock its potential. Uh, and, you know, looking at it, it's what's pretty clear is that BlackBerry plays in you know, these two businesses, two sides of the business are uh, very fast growing markets. Cybersecurity budgets, of course, are increasing. The threat landscape is getting worse. Companies are shifting more of their budgets into cybersecurity to stay safe. Governments are starting to get tough on regulation. And certainly Internet of Things, especially in the automotive sector, um, you know, this is also cars are becoming rolling uh, examples of technology, rolling supercomputers and and uh, technologies like BlackBerry would, you know, would would be kind of core to that. Uh, but the problem here is they're very competitive and BlackBerry's offerings are OK, but not revolutionary. So more evolutionary than revolutionary. And they don't stand out in increasingly competitive markets. And the company has been shrinking. So uh, it's, it's you know, who knows uh, where this is going to go. They didn't put a timeline on it. But really, anyone who owned a BlackBerry back in the day and sort of watched the company implode uh, and and leave the smartphone market with its tail between its legs uh, and move on to this second chapter, it's, it's a sad moment in Canadian technology history because it's another uh, evolution, another gate uh, where we put the BlackBerry that we all thought we knew increasingly behind us. And uh, it's kind of hard to tell where the company goes from here. And as a Canadian, 
literally living in the the backyard of this once dominant, globally dominant company. It's a sad moment for me, and I know I'm not the only one. Let's move on to our next story. Uh, Netflix. Oh my God, Carmi! They they say they're going to ra- raise the prices again. Didn't they just raise the prices last year? Yeah, they did. And in fact, if you look at the last three, four years of their pricing, they have uh, consistently increased their prices well beyond the rate of inflation, even as inflation continued to rise. And that reflects the fact that the company has been spending uh, more and more money, $17 billion US last year alone, to create new productions. Because of course, the market is becoming very competitive. Netflix used to be the only game in town, but now there's Disney+. Plus. Hulu, there's there's Amazon Prime Video, uh, there's Apple TV Plus. You have all these blue chip, you sort of top tier entertainment companies uh, getting into streaming and going for Netflix's jugular. The only way that you survive and keep your subscribers is by spending big on content. And unfortunately, that means uh, at some point someone's got to pay for that content, and that someone is us. Uh, so the Wall Street Journal is reporting that they will. Uh, raise prices in several markets globally, and they're going to st- over the next few months. Uh, and they are starting with, of course, the U.S. and Canada. Don't know how much it's going to be. I uh, don't know when that's going to hit. Uh, but now that the uh, the Writers Guild of America has has uh, essentially put its strike to bed, they're getting back to work. They signed a new deal, a nice, rich new deal that's going to drive production costs up even more. And at some point, it's going to come out of your and my pocket if we subscribe to Netflix. The days of Cheap cord cutting, definitely over. We're going to have to take a break. Uh, we still have a lot to talk about in today's program. Later on, I'm going to have you back, Carmi. We're going to talk about uh, Canada and cell phone prices. Another study has shown that we are, again, one of the most expensive places uh, in the world. Uh, we'll talk about uh, how you can get some better deals. But uh, after the break, would you wear a pendant that uh, recorded everything you said and heard all day? Is that something valuable to you or is that just crazy breach of privacy? Stay tuned. You're listening to Get Connected with Mike Agarbo back after this. We're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got my good friend Brian Jackson joining us uh, today for a couple stories. The first one, we're going to talk about surveillance. There literally is not much privacy left in our worlds, whether those are cameras throughout our day-to-day activities, even our smartphones, which basically know where we're at at any time and are always uh, listening. But Let's take that to another level. Brian, I want to talk about uh, this this new pendant that you brought to my attention. And it's um, it's interesting and scary uh, at the same time. It's called the Rewind. Is that correct? Yeah, that's just one of these products that people are talking about lately, Mike. The Rewind Pendant. And it's a simple device. You know, it looks like a small cylinder, almost jewelry-like. And you wear it around your neck. And it's loaded with technology. It's got microphones in there that are designed to record every conversation you have, everything you say, everything that you would hear. And then you can tr- transcribe it to your uh, computer and you can mine that information and, you know, tr- remember what people told you later. You can summarize it and get insights from the meetings you had, from the conversations you had. Remember the name of that person that you met that you wanted to follow up with. I mean, the value of the product is certainly there. How many times have we forgotten a conversation we had or a detail that we would have just wished if only I'd recorded it or written it down immediately after I would be able to act on it now? 
So I get that, but this is just at too steep of a price of personal privacy, and I'm not sure it'll even be legal in a lot of jurisdictions. So let me just get this straight. This is a pendant. Uh, it's like a little cylinder, tiny cylinder that you wear around your neck, like a piece of jewelry, and it is basically recording everything you say and what other people are saying to you all day. Exactly. It's like out of a Black Mirror episode. We've seen exactly this where, uh, you know, there's a Black Mirror episode. A child wears a device that allows her mother to uh, see in real time exactly what she's doing right now, but she can access the recordings as well. So this is getting pretty close to that in terms of a life recording device. And I think it fits into this idea of luxury surveillance. You know, when we talk about uh, surveillance of prisoners, they have to wear an ankle monitoring device because uh, we're monitoring uh, their movement through society and making sure they don't breach parole conditions, right? So that's surveillance that's imposed upon you by an authority because you've done something wrong. But then there's this other category now of more private services where people wear Know, their Apple watches, they install their Alexas in their home, and it's sort of this idea of luxury surveillance. So I'm going to actually pay a product to track and monitor everything I do, and then I will have at control over that, is the idea, and I'll be able to access uh, the data and use it to get, get more value out of my life, harvest insights about things that I do, my own behaviors, and make adjustments to maybe get healthier, get more effective at my job, get more um, effective at building personal relationships. This is the idea. <laughs> okay. Again, so this pendant, you basically turn it on and it will record everything and transcribe it uh, and send it right to your, your phone like everything and summarize it yeah. too, depending on what plan, like what's the pricing on this thing? Yeah, it's really just being introduced, this rewind pendant, right? So this is a beta that they're talking about and they're offering um, their, their already subscribers because this is an app that was already available for Mac and Windows where you would download it and it would re record and transcribe your meetings for you, which is a pretty common concept like we're recording this meeting right now mike but um this is taking it to another level i think they're charging something like 60 bucks for their uh early adopters of this to get access and uh it's uh, again it'll be a, something you wear around your neck and the problem for me like you're here right now i'm recording this meeting with a, a, an assistant i have here it's called note taker and it's pretty obvious to you what that that's happening but this uh pendant you know it would be recording people in situations when they wouldn't expect to be recorded and i have to remind people that in a lot of jurisdictions especially in the us this is true of many different states you actually have to get consent from another party before recording their uh, side of the conversation. So if you're wearing a device on you that's always recording everything that's said at all times, that's just a no-go. It's not going to be legal in those states. doesn't matter if you're only re saving the data to your own devices. Um, the point is that it's not recorded in the first place. Does it know who's talking? It would know if you were talking. The user yeah. can train it to identify its, uh, you know, your your voice, and yeah. I know that you're the you're the person discussing. And then, you know, when you go into these, this is the thing: is that 
you know, at first it's not going to identify who you're talking to just from some sort of voice match service that has a global database. Obviously that would be too far to go, but the work that we can do after we have the data, it's going to become pretty uh, trivial to actually connect it to a person or label another speaker with their identity. And then what's happening to that data? Sure, it starts on our computer, but you know the value of these services is going to be applying AI to the recording so that you can summarize uh, the conversations that you had in a day. You're not going to replay everything in real time. No one has time for that. The point is it will get bullet point summaries of these conversations so we can harvest the insights and remember the things we talked about at a higher level. So to do that, you're going to need access to the cloud. And that means the dead is now leaving your computer, going to uh, the third party host and they're going to it's going to be in their hands now you've lost control of it so what happens after that is who knows right and th this is you can see how this quickly becomes like a can of worms that gets opened up oh it's a pandora's box that's already open brian um because yes you you should get permission of people when you're recording but they would never know that you're recording them i mean this is just one thing i mean there's tons of apps that do this already right yeah, I mean, you're right, Mike. We're already carrying around smartphone devices in our pockets. You can turn on a microphone and start recording everything that you're talking about with people day to day. So um, we're already living in this world where this is an issue. But if we're going to start marketing pendants that are designed to be so effective at uh you know, recording everything that we say in a 24 hour period, we're just taking it to a whole other level. And at some point you have to say, we've gone too far. <laughs> I think we've already gone too, too far on this. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, in, it's, it's hard though, Brian, in one sense, I think, wow, this would be an amazing tool, like recording everything and then summarizing it for me, you know, transcribing at the same yeah, time, it's a huge, value. it's a huge yeah. invasion of privacy. I, mm -hmm. I just think now you have to be careful no matter where you are or who you're talking to now, because the reality is that there is a potential that it's being recorded. And that's becoming more and more a thing as this technology becomes more per pervasive in our, in our lives. Remember glass holes? Oh, the, yeah, the Google glasses and the people that yeah. wear them. That was their nickname glass holes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And why didn't we like people wearing Google glasses? It's because the, of this idea that they were always recording us in a situation where we wouldn't normally expect that. And this week, we also saw Meta partnering with Ray-Ban to release its augmented reality glasses, right? So there's still this idea, and it still seems like tech companies are willing to push this concept of wearing smart sensors on your head, on your around your neck, you know, ways to record what's happening in the world. And you can imagine people that really want to could uh, just outfit themselves as constant spies of what's going on in different locations. And they could wear glasses that record everything to video, wear a pendant that would record all the audio very easily and uh, scoop up all sorts of data that people wouldn't expect to be recorded. And you worry about how this will actually affect the way that people feel free to operate in the public sphere. If you feel like everything is being recorded of you and could possibly be released as a in a gotcha moment or even you know manipulated at a later time to make it seem like you were 
making a point that you weren't making or doing something you weren't doing, well, it's just going to become a very concerning world to live in. Brian, this reminds me of, of a movie I saw years ago. It had Robin Williams uh, in it. Um, and I th- what's his name? Uh, Mira, uh, there was Mira Savino, uh, Jim Cav- Cavazell, uh, called the, the Final Cut back in 2004. And basically the premise of this movie, Brian, was uh, in the future, microchips in people's heads record all of their experiences. And we're there. It's not microchips in our head, but we've got these pendants. We've got these glasses now that can record everything. Yeah, I thought of that movie too. I'm surprised you raised that. That a good 20 years ago now, but obviously it was insightful. And um, we haven't got to the embedded technology yet, but I, I get. I bet Neuralink is working on it as a feature. So you know, maybe next year. But yes, <sighs> we can have this sort of uh, approximated technology with wearables. And um, you know, just to think about a couple of the. Um, things to worry about right if you're an enthusiast you think you're you're hearing about this technology and you're like i can't wait to try this so i can you know harvest all the insights from my day that i'm missing um well you know don't be surprised when the police come knocking on your door and they say actually you were near the scene of a crime you might have recorded something we're we heard you were wearing this device so now we want access to the recordings on your computer exactly or actually, we're just going to take your laptop to examine it to to get all the information about this crime that you may or may not have anything to do with right but um as soon as information exists it's something that can be uh, requested by law enforcement or uh, even made available to them through a court order. It's like the ring video doorbell footage that yeah. that police now are getting warrants to, to get that footage from, from homes if they need it uh, because they think a crime has been committed. Okay, there's st- uh, <laughs> my mind is just racing with good and bad thoughts here, uh, Brian. So uh, we'll have to uh, keep on top of this story as uh, more of these developments happen. We're going to keep you uh, on the line, though, Brian, because I want to get into the Online Streaming Act. And, uh, you know, there's cries of censorship. Uh, the CRTC trying to regulate what we see on on the Netflixes of the world and, and podcasts. You are listening to Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. We'll be back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, uh, Bill C-11 recently passed. This is the Online Streaming Act. Uh, there are some provisions that the CRTC is looking over when it comes to online streaming. Uh, to help us understand how this might affect Canadians, we've got our friend Brian Jackson from the Infotech Research Group. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Always glad to join you, Mike. So... I think this affects me, but I'm not quite sure because uh, I have a podcast. I guess it streams. Uh, is this something that I should be concerned about? And how will this affect Canadians in general? Not for you. I wouldn't worry about this for uh, your Get Connected podcast, Mike, because if you look at this online bill, you know, I think you have to step back and look at how uh, people were talking about it. Some pop- very public figures were wading into the discussion around this, what the CRTC is doing with this online streaming act, right? We had this passed into law just last spring, and now it's time for the regulator to get involved and say, this is how we're going to go about actually enforcing this law. And uh, that's the beginning of what we're seeing uh, go down the path here. And we saw some commentators wait in. So number one, Elon Musk comes and on X, 
you know, formally noticed Twitter and says, uh, oh, this is about censorship. Uh, Pierre Polyevra, the leader of the opposition, also saying that this bill is a censorship effort. So these are the fears, perhaps, that some people have about the Online Streaming Act and what it will lead to. So it's worth taking a step back and looking at why is the CRTC regulating this space? What are they heading out to accomplish? And what are the real motivations behind the bill and what we're regulating in Canada? And I think that it really has nothing to do with censorship. And it's all about actually supporting the Canadian identity, making sure that Canadian content creators continue to enjoy a market of opportunities ahead of them, and a regulator that's trying to maintain relevancy as it enters into this new era where uh, we're watching less cable TV and more streaming services, listening to less radio, but listening to more podcasts. So many questions here. The CRTC has been instrumental in regulating content on both radio and television over the years. Uh, some might argue uh, from the radio side, uh, it really has helped the Canadian music scene by mandating, you know, for example, that radio stations play X amount or percentage of Canadian content. They try to do the same with television, uh, again, mandating uh, that, you know, television broadcasters have to play certain amounts of Canadian content during prime time. They have to spend so much money on Canadian content. Are they basically trying to move this into the digital age, if I had to sum it all up? That's exactly what they're doing. And if you're a Canadian broadcaster that's been involved in the traditional media for the past 10 years, you've really been asking uh, the regulator and the government, why is it that we, uh, who are media in Canada, serving all of uh, these Canadians, uh, have to pitch in and make sure that we dedicate airtime to Canadian creators. We hire a certain number of Canadian staff for our production. You know, go down the list of requirements uh, that have been in place for the traditional media industry for decades now. And they, they would ask, why is that not true of the Netflixes of the world, of the Amazon Primes of the world, and even podcast platforms like Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, right? What For at least these big giants, that are coming into Canada and scooping up our audience, isn't it fair for our audience to expect that they also contribute to the Canadian identity of what's happening in this country through their media offerings, right? That's their perspective, Mike. Okay, let's break this down. I want to start with the uh, the video side, the, the TV and, and movie side. I can kind of wrap my head around that because you've got a few big players. You've got Amazon, you've got Apple. Of course, you have Netflix as well. I can see a similar model working in that area as they have done with the, the TV broadcasters. Um, but it, it gets a little murkier for me on the podcasting side, Brian, um, because you've got these I call them aggregators like Spotify, Google, uh, Apple, iTunes. They don't necessarily own the podcasts that are are you know going through their their platform. Yes, they own a few of them. You know, like the Joe Rogan experience on Spotify. But you know, my my podcasts on Spotify, my podcast is on you know Apple, iTunes. Um, how would I don't even, I don't know how you would regulate that. Yeah, and this is the question, big question that was in front of the government as they were debating the bill when it was Bill C-11. Now it's been passed into law as the Online Streaming Act. And the debate was over, should we include 
user generated media as part of this bill like we it's more understandable as you say to look at netflix as like basically a cable company that's operating in this new digital format right but when it comes to user generated media which i think for the most part we can look at podcasts as user generated media certainly social media which is also covered by this bill is uh for all user generated media so why is it that we're trying to regulate in that space and what are we really expecting the regulator to do there to require canadian content you know i could imagine where the crtc could take it of course i don't know because they haven't said anything about it all they've said so far is that we want podcast platforms to register with us if they make more than 10 million dollars in revenue that's where we're at today so individual podcasts don't have to do anything in regards to this i want to say that up front here and be clear that this is not some sort of podcast registry this is a platform registry but what would uh the crtc want of these podcast platforms well i could imagine them requiring that podcast platforms feature Canadian podcasts uh, more prominently or in a certain way on their platforms. If you go and look at the top podcasts in Canada today on Apple Podcasts, is it Canadian podcast? No, it's true crime podcast from the U.S., right? And sometimes there's Canadian podcast. Manage is to creep into the top 10, which is great. Uh, but the CRTC might be saying it's not enough that these podcasts are merely available on the platforms. They have to be promoted to a certain degree. And maybe even you have to play insert ads, right? Because these podcast platforms now, they have the power to insert ads into podcasts. So perhaps they have to promote Canadian content on the American podcast you're hearing or the European podcast you're hearing. That's where I could see them taking it. So where does the censorship thing come in, Brian? Well, it comes in when you want to make a political argument, Mike. <laughs> and it's it's just so, sort of banking on ignorance of what's really at debate here. But having said that, I think that the government and the regulator has left themselves open to this sort of line of argument because they haven't given us a lot of clarity about why this regulation is even necessary. I mean, there's so there's more Canadian voices involved in digital media than were ever involved in uh, a traditional broadcast, right? And that's thanks to a company like, like Netflix funding a lot of Vancouver and Toronto-based productions, right? How many... Uh, things on Netflix have you seen and you notice that it hey this is actually I recognize this neighborhood because I visited it in Canada or that's you know that's downtown Toronto actually and um, those jobs are supporting Canadian production crews and there's a lot of Canadian talent actors directors etc involved uh, and of course there's you know I get all of my Canadian podcasts through Google podcasts uh, which is shutting down shortly, but aside, you know that's not the point today. <laughs> so I'd say that this is a regulation that's really in search of a problem to regulate, and it's not clear to anybody why we should listen to what the CRTC has to say about these platforms or what role they actually have to play in terms of improving the Canadian content availability in digital media. I'm going to go back to the TV side again, or the, you know, the, the, the video content side. Uh, you know, I've seen some arguments from the bigger players saying, you know, we don't need to be regulated. We already spend, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in Canada 
you know, making content, mm. not, not just for Canada, but for the world. And so, you know, the money is already flowing into Canada. I guess my argument is, well, Canadians are paying for that in, in one respect. The reason why they're doing that is not because they think Canada's a great place uh, and, and has great talent, which it does. It's because they get huge, and I mean huge tax incentives to, to right. bring the productions here, you know, as much as 30%. So when you couple that with our exchange rate as well, these American production houses, they would be insane not to produce in Canada because it's literally 50 cents on the dollar when you factor all that stuff in. Yeah, this is an excellent point. They're not just producing here out of the goodness of their heart because they love Canada. It's uh, because it's economically f more feasible to produce things here. They can make more profit in the end because of these in lucrative government incentives. So I guess now the government is saying there will be some strings attached to that funding. Yes. And it'll be by ensuring that you're uh, promoting Canadian content, you're hiring enough Canadian uh, talent to your productions and that you're doing it not in a way that's self-policing and self-governed which has been the system so far but we're, you're going to do it in a way that meets the requirements we lay out we've got brian jackson here on the line he's from infotech research group we've been talking about the new online streaming act and what the crtc is uh, potentially going to be doing to regulate uh, larger content aggregators, producers. I think it's in excess of $10 million uh, of, of, of revenue. This is an ongoing story and we'll just have to keep on top of it to give you updates. Brian, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. When we come back from the break here and Get Connected, more tech to talk, stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here. I'm uh, bringing my good friend Carmi Levy back for the final segment. We're gonna be talking Canada's cell phone plans and. Uh, a new study has again shown that we pay some of the highest rates in the world. Carmi, is this really news anymore? I, I know this comes out every six months or so. And, and am I surprised? Yeah. Uh, you you shouldn't be. I know I'm not. None of our listeners should be surprised. Uh, you know, we've been seeing data like this for years, particularly from the OECD, where uh, they show Canada consistently either at or near the top of the list uh, of most expensive countries in which to own a smartphone. And now we have new data from uh, cable.co.uk uh, in the UK, and they've also they've looked at uh, at cell phone data plans in 237 countries, looking at the cost per gigabyte. That's sort of their key metric, and they show that Canada of those 237 countries, the 22nd most expensive country in the report. We pay seven dollars and 32 cents per gigabyte, which compared to the best performing country, which is Israel. Uh, we are paying 268 more times per gigabyte than they do in Israel. And so this is no surprise, but you know the degree of overpayment, uh, it's somewhat enraging because it's an issue that we've known we've had for a very long time, um, yet it still isn't being dealt with. In, in fairness to uh, the landscape here in Canada and to the telecom companies, the cost per gigabyte has gone down over the last five years. Uh, the data from uh, Cable UK shows that it's 59% less per gigabyte this year than it was five years ago. Um, which that's, be great. that's because of the government, right? Because they said they were going to make them <laughs> drop the prices. They, they did. And the government has been trying to push the telecom industry in that direction. And to a certain degree, they are succeeding. The problem here is, is that the number of gigabytes that you and I consume continues to go up. The 
that the, the amount of data that we are using on our smartphones is going up by uh, orders of magnitude over that period. So whereas, you know, so yes, we're paying 59% less, but we're consuming far more data. So our actual hits per month is higher because we're consuming more of those gigabytes. So, uh, you know, this is the, the recommendation, of course, and it, it always comes down to this, which is something that you and I cannot control is make the market more competitive, bring in more players, uh, and, and, and also encourage, but to do that, encourage foreign involvement in the Canadian market up until now, federal government, our national regulator have been very hesitant to allow substantive foreign investment in telecommunications companies. Um, but the problem here is, is that left to our own devices without any kind of structural change to the way telecom companies operate, we will still have far too few operators and they will not be motivated to do anything about prices because basically they know full well that if you're not happy with how much you're paying, uh, it's you know, there are relatively few additional choices to go to. You can cross the street, but they all offer pretty much the same thing. How much should people be paying, you think, on average? Like, I, 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 you, I, how much do you pay? Uh, I pay just over $90 a month. That's a lot. Unlimited plan. It, it is a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it is a lot um, that includes my phone, but it's still a lot. And I'd like to I'd like to be able to bring that down. And what I do periodically is I call uh, my provider. And I and thing is, I'm a heavy user, and I know that. And so I I can't just get the entry level plan. I have to have unlimited data. I I I, I tether my phone. I use hotspot. Um, I do live broadcast from the field. So. I need a solution that really works, uh, you know, a somewhat gold-plated solution, um, more so than most consumers. But at the same time, I'm not averse to calling my my telecom operator, my, my company, and looking at what offerings they have that particular month and asking why I'm not paying less. And I think that really is, we can't change the fact that Canada's marketplace isn't as competitive as it should be. But what we can do is we can, uh, even in the midst of a contract, we can call our telecom operators and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing you offering new players uh, or new customers. Can you offer that to me? It doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to push their buttons a little bit and see if they can sweeten the deal. Sometimes they can lower the prices, not always. Uh, often for the same price, they will throw in more. Uh, they'll add additional features. They'll throw in more gigabytes. They'll they'll give you free uh, international calling. Whatever it is, they'll give you a perk, but they won't give it to you if you don't ask. Uh, and I will do that every few months. I'll crack open my phone and I will give them a call and see what they can do for me. Yeah. Cause they're not going to call you and, and lower the price. And that's, I, I guess no, that's. Oh no, they, they won't. <laughs> it's not in their, it's not in their interest and, and that's not the way they operate. And in a less than optimally competitive market, they don't have to. So that that's the lesson out there for the listeners right now. You're not going to get a lower price unless you actually take some action. So number one, like Carmi was saying, phone your, your carrier and see what they can do, especially if you've been with them uh, for a while. Also, uh, you know, you'll get a better deal if you bring your own phone. I, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people, they package in a phone with their plan. You're not really getting a deal there. You're paying for that phone. So, you know, one way or another, you have to keep that in mind. I find the biggest way to get uh, a lower price, Carmi, I've learned over time, is actually switch carriers. I've done that a few times, and every time I was able to significantly reduce the uh, the the price uh, the the big the best one that I've come across in a while here, Carmi, and I think you should look at this as well. Uh, I do know you use a lot of data, but maybe it's not enough. Uh, Public Mobile, uh, they're a, a sub brand of Telus, and so they are essentially using the Telus 
network. And there's this one plan that I came across. It's um, it's 50 bucks a month and you get 40 gigs of data at 5G speeds. And so here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Mm-hmm. So if that wasn't good enough, it also includes US roaming as well, data roaming. Wow, uh, that's a big deal because that gets really expensive really quickly if that's not included on your plan. They'll charge you 13 bucks a day. It used to be $5 a day, and then they kept ratcheting it up by a couple dollars per day. That gets very expensive very quickly. If that is a perk in your plan, that can save you a lot of money if you're traveling cross-border fairly regularly. So I, I actually switched over to it. I was on uh, Rogers. I switched to it. And uh, as you know, Rogers phoned me back, hey, baby, you know, we'll be better this time. <laughs> Oh, us, please. And so they um they they gave me a sixty dollar plan, includes the US roaming, um, and a hundred gigs. Which is pretty good. But it is and I think I think that reinforces the point is that when you when you push them a little bit, magically things get opened up. Yeah. Weren't there before. And you're not gonna know this unless you start doing the pushing. You prod a little bit. You might be pleasantly surprised. Carmi, I want to thank you for joining us uh, on the program and good luck in getting your cell phone bill down. I will need it and I appreciate being here. Thank you. Don't forget to visit our website. Uh, we are at www.getconnectedmedia.com. Uh, we've uh, got all of our uh, podcasts uh, links up there so you can uh, tune into the Get Connected radio show and uh, actually subscribe to the uh, the podcast. I, I wish that uh, you uh, would. And uh, if you're in the uh, the BC province, uh, don't forget to watch my global segments, uh, you know, Monday mornings uh, on the global morning news and uh, Wednesday noon hour news. I'm always talking about the latest tech updates and uh, showing a gadget uh, or two uh, as well. I want to thank all the folks that helped put uh, Get Connected uh, together. Uh, of course, uh, Carmi and uh, Gray, who uh, join me uh, very often on uh, the program, uh, and also a lot of the uh, the guys back at the studio, uh, including uh, Nigel uh, as well. That's all the time we have left for this week's program. Uh, this is Mike Agarbo logging off. We'll see you again next time.